0: Hi, guys, and welcome back to the show. I am so thrilled for today's guest. I am chatting with Lori Harder. Lori is the author of a book called A Tribe Called Bliss, and she is also the host of the Earn Your Happy podcast. And if you know me, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, although I have one, but the only podcast I actually really listen to is Lori's. It's the (laughs) one that I'm constantly talking about and sending people to go listen to. So to say that I'm thrilled to have her on today's show is an understatement. Uh, Lori, welcome, and thank you so much for being here.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Honestly, I feel like this has been so long coming that I could not wait to talk to you today in person. And yeah. let me tell you, your energy is even, even better than I even had expectations around. So, <laughs> Thank
0: you. Ditto. Ditto. You sound exactly like you sound on your podcast, not that I thought you would sound any different. <laughs> <love> Hello. Okay. So Lori, for those um, who are listening, who are not familiar with you and your work, can you give us a brief background about who you are and what you do?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, and thank you so much for having me on. I legitimately am like thrilled and honored to be here and talking to all of your people as well. Um, I come from a really small town in upper Michigan. Most people don't know that there's an upper part to Michigan. <laughs> And it's it's legit like all woods. It is up north, borderline Canada, Canada basically. So on top of uh, being from a really small town, I was also raised in a fairly restrictive uh, religion where I wasn't able to associate with anyone outside of my religion. And I was homeschooled through high school and also from a family that just it was believed to our core that we had... Uh, Bad genetics and that everyone would be overweight and everyone in my family was overweight and not just a little bit overweight, but I'm talking majority of my family was 50 to 100 plus pounds overweight. Um, So for me, it's kind of just what I saw and what I thought about my life. And along with being from a really small town, uh, it was also just heard over and over that life was hard, money was hard to come by. Um, You know, you had to work really hard to get anything. And you just, and also being, you know, really religious, it was you just want enough to get by, and that's all that you need. So it was while I had a great life. And on top of all of that, I just want to say I did have a great childhood, but it was very different than most people's childhood. And what happened was I just, even at a really young age, I did not want to take that idea that I would be overweight my whole life or that I was, because I was, you know, I struggled with weight. I was a chubby kid. I wasn't like way overweight, but I was bullied in school for my weight and my religion. And I just did not want to feel that pain anymore. And honestly, I think in the beginning, the driving factor was the pain of not wanting to feel, um, you know, like I was being bullied at school. So it was like, okay, what can I do to avoid this? And that's really what made me even start opening my eyes at a really young age of how does somebody not be this anymore, you know, not be overweight. And I started looking into fitness started really diving in and seeing is this really genetics or is this something that I have control over and I remember I had a couple aha moments of reading I was reading a fitness magazine at like a super young age and it was talking about what they ate and what they did every day and I was like okay well we do not do any of this like so maybe if I did something I would have some control over it like if this is how this woman is making you know her physical body look this way then maybe I would be able to have some control over it so and also uh, when I was 14 I ended up meeting a girl who was in my religion but she was a couple hours away from me and so what that meant is our parents would be they were fine with driving us so that we could have friends inside of our religion so I went to her house for like a week it was like seven or eight days or something and and when I was there they only ate like three meals and they didn't have snacks and they played outside all day. And at night when I was, you know, I was like starving for my, uh, plates of seconds and thirds. And then I wanted a bunch of snacks because that's what my family did. Like we would legitimately have two to three desserts at night. We would just snack from the kitchen, you know? And I'm like, do you have any snacks? And she's like, what do you mean? Like,
0: Oh, because I'm literally shaking my head because I have like the exact same background as far as <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh yeah, like where are the chips ahoy? Like where's the ice
1: cream? <laughs> yes. I was like, where's the chips ahoy-, ahoy with the marshmallow fluff to put on top and then another one and then let's put that it- with some ice cream and then be like, wait, <laughs> what's next?
0: <laughs> it, you're depressed. It's like, wait a that- second, <laughs> there's no food? What am I going to
1: do? I was like panicking. I mean, for real, I remember being like, I because you just rely on it so much you don't even realize it and so I go through this week of you know just eating like a normal person which was a bit torturous but I was also very distracted Um, and we ate square meals it wasn't like we were totally eating salad or anything like that which you know that's great I love my salads now Um, but It was, you know, sandwich at lunch and then dinner was like just really hearty and breakfast was hearty and that was it. And I go home and I lost five pounds that week and I was like, what? Like I have never been able to do this before on my own back in my environment. Like I was never able to lose weight no matter how hard I tried back in the environment that I had lived in. And, you know, all of a sudden I go here for one week and it just falls off my body. Number one, because we were just so busy and we were having fun and we were happy doing physical things, but also it was just food wasn't a thing for them. It just wasn't a thing. It wasn't there for like, okay, this is going to make you happy. Okay. We're going to sit here. We're going to, you know, just kind of veg out and enjoy this food. It was like, no, they ate and they enjoyed and, and it was it was I know it may not sound crazy, but if you 've had an experience like that, it is mind blowing when you go from one world thinking it 's one way because this is all I had seen right yeah. to going into another one and and that was a moment for me that I was like whoa my it 's my environment like i it is so hard to do something when this is what 's all around you and what is truly believed to be true because told my whole life, it's your genetics. And I was like, it's not because I just lost weight. So (laughs) um
0: hard when you're young, I think too, to realize, okay, this is my environment. But at that point, it's not like you could just move away from home if you're 12 or 13. So it's like, you have to figure out how to navigate that, I'm sure.
1: You know, I and I did like that's what I dove into. And to be honest, the navigation was not easy. It was I started to isolate myself a little bit. Um, You know, I'd go off more alone during the day because I'd want to just go for walks. I'd want to just go and be active, and and it was a really lonely place. So despite having you know the super loving family, I was also a bit miserable because the food was feeding my anxiety. Um, We all know what sugar and you know bad food does for your mental health too. So I was. Feeling depressed, it was feeding my anxiety, and I was like, This is not you know, I know it's not them, but this is making me feel like I'm on this downward downward spiral as a teenager. So I did a bit of isolating even then to, just to try to feel better, to try to listen back into that little voice. Because at the time, it's like, I think we all have it and we all knew it, but we didn't realize that that little voice that was whispering at us like, hey, I think there's more. Or hey, you might be here for something bigger. We don't know what it is yet. Or hey, when you go and walk and you move, you feel really good. You feel connected and grounded and happy. Or, hey, when you're out in the woods hiking, like that's when you finally feel like you can hear who you're supposed to be or who you really are or at peace. And it's like, that's what always made me go back to moving my body or getting back out and being like, I need to hear this voice again. Um, So fast forward. And I really knew that my whole purpose was to not only help myself uh, break through, you know, the environment and the patterns that I had been taught, but to help other people. Because I just learned the dramatic differences of how I felt mentally and physically, um, you know, when I would do these things. So fast forward into my 20s, I still had massive anxiety though. And a lot of that came from um, not only being bullied, but also my mom had panic attacks and I would watch her have panic attacks. And it was like, obviously what we see and what we're thinking can immediately be repeated. And In my mind, I remember the first time really realizing she was having a crazy panic attack. Um, She had just had my brother and I actually just had a discussion with her about it last week. And she was also going through like severe postpartum depression that I did not know about. Um, So I'm just watching her, you know, have like break down and thinking, I have this. I'm her daughter. This is me. And it was like the next week in school, I had one. Is that crazy? crazy? Just like. Oh, like immediately your brain's like, that's a part of me. Um, So for me, it it just kind of stuck from there. And I have been, uh, you know, doing the work and learning the tools and using the tools over and over and over to deal with that. Um, But again, in the mid-20s, I was like, I need to help other women. Uh, break through what they believe is genetics or where they're stuck And so I opened a or I had started training at a big box gym But then later on I opened a fitness studio and, and I was seeing this repeated pattern It's like no matter how much I trained these women No matter what type of body they got no matter if they reached their goal or not Nothing actually changed and they didn't feel fulfilled and a lot of times They weren't even getting the result they wanted if they didn't change their mindset it was like I was finding that we were during our training sessions, like it was more therapy or more like talking through what they needed to talk through, really teaching them how to have self belief, how to have mantras around, you know, whatever they were holding on to. Um, and so I was teaching them all these things. Uh, right alongside just as much as I was the training. And that's really when I started getting amazing results with them too. And I thought, you know, I can't train these women without some sort of mindset program. So that's when I started adding a lot of the mindset, a lot of the self-development because I learned myself. Like I, I had set so many goals around fitness because I didn't know how to get there or stay there without having these giant goals. Except when I would reach these goals, it was like, it was not half as fulfilling as I thought, even though I had this body that I thought would bring me everything. Right. I was like, if I look like that, I must be happy. I must be powerful. People must be wanting to be your friend. Okay. No, like not even close. In fact, it can be even lonelier because now you can't even go out in that body because you're trying to keep it a certain way. So it's kind of (laughs) like, you don't get to have the friends when you look that lean, like, because you're not eat, you're not doing it, you know?
0: Yeah, or you don't get to go and enjoy yourself and have a meal at a restaurant because you're so paranoid. What if I gain back five pounds? Or what if, you know? It's Amen. Just, yeah, it's really, it's a very hard place to be. I know from experience as well.
1: Mm, it's really, it's super isolating. And you get in this place where if you, you know, for me, and this was just my personal experience. It's like, for me, I was, if I didn't look that way, I felt like I was losing my identity. So, you know, I I would be in this constant battle. Maybe you, maybe you are having fun with your friends or family, but all of a sudden you're just like, but if I, if I lose this, I'm not going to be recognized or people won't love me as much. Or, you know, because I started doing it because I wanted to feel loved. So I was doing it for, and I don't want to say the wrong reasons because I want the, I never want people to apologize for the carrot that breaks them open to the next level of their life. And for me, the fitness and the body was the carrot that got me to realize it's not it. Um, But it is a huge part of my life as well. So, um, you know, it was the mindset stuff that I started to just fall in love with. I loved the fact that we could just change the mind and we didn't even have to teach much on the body and the body would follow. And I was like, this is insane. So it's all, that's when I just, you know, it was all power of the mind and really looking at how I could create peace and harmony within my life through the different thoughts that i was thinking and just how you can change your mind and show up different in a relationship and change that relationship it was it was staggering to think about what we're capable of doing with our mindset but at this time still i was feeling pretty um isolated within my life because while I was helping people I didn't really have that tribe you know and I was also being like that core tribe that kind of you could lean on and you felt supported in and at the time also through one of my fitness coaches um and this was just the mentality at the time. It wasn't just her, it was everyone. And I know some people still feel this way, actually, many people, um, that it's lonely at the top. And if some other woman is winning, that you're losing. Um, and that, you know, if someone's getting what you want, that you should be envious of her or you should try to get what she has. And it's like, that is so not the case. And I started to notice that I was like getting really fearful around even getting to the top or winning. Um, So, just so many things were going on there at once.
0: Yeah. And can we touch on that for a second? Because I think that's really interesting. I feel like I experienced a little bit of that in my career um, a couple years ago. Like, I started to actually feel like I didn't want to elevate to the next level because I wasn't going to be able to connect with the women I had become so close to who were not going on that same path. Like, maybe Mm. they were sort of like, you know, stuck or just kind of in a, in a level. And I was sort of reaching the next one. And I felt like I was going to lose those friends. Like, is that yeah. kind of how you felt too?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and just, I was afraid of rejection from the women that I was around and I was already getting it to be quite honest with you. Um, because I was really, so what happened with Chris and I, and, and money was a huge motivator for us because we had, uh, in my mid twenties, I think it was 27, um he was the main breadwinner at the time and you know this is when i was doing training uh for women and stuff and uh, we had just moved for God knows how many times into this huge house because he kept getting promoted and promoted and promoted. And we thought whenever we move, if we buy a bigger house, we can sell it for more. And we were also making, you know, seeing if we can make income that way. Well, 2007 came and we lost everything and, you know, short sold our home. We were in debt, $300,000 sold our cars, moved into a one bedroom little condo. Um, and so at the time, $300,000 in debt. I was like, I have to make money. So for me, what happened is I was not only trying to make this career happen so that it would help my fitness career, but I was also working really hard. So with this tribe that I was around, who I had made friends with in the fitness world, what happened is because I could not hang around them as much as they wanted me to, um, they had started this like gossip rumor mill um, about me for about a year of my life. Um, and it was so intense. And I know that that's a little bit different than what you're talking about, but that's, I think, what we're afraid of happening, right? Yeah,
0: and It happens in so many different ways, but when it is gossip, it's really, it's like, it's so sad because, you know, you feel like, well, I was close to this person at one time. So what happened? What did, what did I do? What, you know, like, why did they turn on me?
1: hmm And now I can see, and, and I write a lot about this in the book, now I can see that it's massive self-preservation, you know, because I can come from a place of compassion and be like, I totally get it. Like we were close and then I just started to not show up and tell them, you know, I would tell them, you know, I can't do it. I really, I have to work or I have to put on this event or without giving them. One thing that I really realized I did um, that could have helped with that was I didn't tell them, my story. I did not tell them what was going on because I was not willing to get vulnerable and say, hey, I'm drowning in debt. (laughs) And, And if I don't take care of this, like... I can't breathe and I'm never gonna be able to make it. So it's kind of like, I did not tell them any of that because I wanted it to look glossy from the outside. And I think I could have saved a lot of heartache. Now I'm not saying what they did was right, but I am taking full ownership over this, You know, the fact that I didn't let them in on why I was doing what I was doing. And I think that's a huge part of when we're transitioning into another level in our life. I think if we're really transparent about why we can't do something with this group anymore or why we can't do as much, or why we're starting to go over here to build this dream of writing a book, or building a business, or changing our body. If we communicated more about why it's so important to us to make money, take care of our health, to move into a new arena, maybe we're not as happy as we really know we should be. We don't want to be resentful of, you know, people in our life or things like that, but that's a tough conversation, right? So You know, I, this is the, the whole thing about why I wrote the book is how to teach you how to have the tough conversations and also to really look at where a conversation could heal something, but that a conversation, just having a conversation is not enough because we know once we set the boundary or once we have the conversation or once we create that tribe to start transcending, there is like an equal energy that's coming back at you that you're going to have to also be prepared for. It's like, okay, you set the boundary there's going to be a bit of a backlash from the people who do not like the boundary because you just said no to them to something that was, you know, a pattern in their life. So you have to also be ready for, and I don't want to call it something as, you know, I I don't want it to sound as bad as backlash, but truly it's like, just if, if you're prepared for it, it's not going to feel like backlash. It's going to feel like, Oh, here it is. Okay. Let's get through this next wave. And then after this, typically it becomes more calm but people don't know there's that second wave. So it throws them off and they go back to how they were being because they don't want to deal with that pain.
0: I totally agree. And I always tell women like authenticity is a daily practice. It's not like we flip a switch one day and say, I'm authentic now. I can be myself. I can say how I feel. And it never creeps back up on us. We never get nervous again. We never get afraid to to be honest. So it's something that I think we just need to like constantly work on in our lives and constantly check in with ourselves. Like, am I being true to who I am and what I want?
1: Every day. I swear to you, every day when I know I'm doing it right, I get anxious over something briefly (laughs) and then I'm like, okay, like you're on the right path or I feel fearful or I'm like, oh God, why do I like, why do I do this to myself? But then if I don't, it's like, we're not growing and then we're not happy because we're regressing. So it's not like I'm in pain all of the time, but I do seek out resistance every day so that I can know that I'm, you know, on that path to growing.
0: Yes. Oh, I love it. So, so true. So, okay. So at that point, right, you found yourself up leveling, you found yourself yourself shifting and changing. So did you at that point find a new tribe? How did you kind of, to that next step of having different friends around you, different support around you, who are on—I don't want to say on your level because I feel like that sounds like someone mm-hmm. else below you, but I guess more on your wavelength.
1: There you go. Totally. It's so funny. i i have been searching for those words too because I feel the same exact way. You're just in a different like vibration. You have yeah. a different state of like you're thinking differently, um, different mindset, right? So, um, you know, in the beginning, so. Again, I'm referring back to why I wrote it because I did it all wrong, but somewhat right. (laughs) So what I did, because I thought, you know, at this point I was still like, did not believe that women friends were where it was at. I was still very hurt and fearful by them, especially, um, you know, being bullied in school by women. And then now having this group of women who did the whole gossip thing um, after, you know, me striving for success to try to heal what was going on in my life. Um, and I was like, oh, women are not the answer. <laughs> so I did opposite of that. And I did the next best thing, which was I built a tribe, you know, online. I started listening to books on tape. Um, yes, I said books on tape, books on audio. <laughs> um, I started going to events. I started reading books. And I was seeking out mentors and teachers and and um, like mindset events. So I remember I, I did like a landmark. I did Tony Robbins. Robbins. Um, Landmark Forum is a lot just like a uh, self really intense self development training. Um, I did train the trainer Jack Canfield um, in person. It was like a three week intensive to learn how to facilitate um, and be around you know like minded people who are all wanting to do the same thing. And this was working really well for me. Except when I would leave, uh, I felt lonely again. I was like, man, this is hard to keep this going when you're out of the room or when you're not reading the book. Like, what do I do with the other you know twenty hours of my day when I start to feel really lonely. So you know how it goes? Like when you have a goal, you can be like, yeah, I feel great. Like I'm I'm excited about this goal. And then it's like, you know, and that's at seven o'clock and then eight o'clock hits and you're like, I'm tired, (laughs) I'm lonely. And I don't feel like doing my checklist that's going to move this needle forward. And it wasn't until I had solo strives for a while, accomplished a few things doing that, But then it was like, you just hit this glass ceiling. You run out of, you know, your own resources. You need to start asking. You need to start having belly to belly contact with people and conversations. And it's like, without that, I do believe you kind of hit your glass ceiling and people can do it, but it's like burnout. It is burnout and it's not fun. And I think it takes a lot of like really harsh coaching in your mind because I was able to do that too. Like, come on, what are you doing? Like, you can do this. And just, you know, a lot of um, really tapping more back into the pain of not wanting to be hurt. And I don't think that we always need to use um, pain as the motivator. I think we can also use, you know, tribe and connection and really thinking of what we can do for the world, obviously. Uh, And I think when you're alone, you tap more into the pain and the hardcore coaching and the like, make yourself do this and you don't want to go back to how you were. Um, so that's when really I started looking into, uh, building female relationships.
0: I love that. That's, that's really, I think it's important. And I, I love that you said you, at first you were a little bit resistant towards it because I think, that's what happens, and women get such a bad rap. And if you have, I find that you know, a lot of women who may have one experience with a woman where they were hurt or burned in some way, it's like they're never gonna reach out and they're never gonna give it another shot. But I think mm-hmm. it's like dating, it's like you just have to keep putting yourself out there, and until you find somebody who is your energetic match, and they're out there.
1: Oh my God. I love that you said that. Cause I have been talking about the same thing. Like it is, it is exactly like dating. You know, how many people have you, um, been hurt by or have you hurt? And I want, and I want, I want all of us to think ab- about that for a minute. It's like, how many people have you hurt? Yeah. So if you want to feel like we can show up in relationships and be forgiven and, you know, have less judgment and be free to be ourselves. You have to hold that standard for other people. Like you have to allow them to also be forgiven and to show up as themselves and know that they're going to say hurtful things about you and not mean it. Like you have to go back historically and look at your life and say, how many times have I said something about someone that I love that I did not mean? It's-
0: okay. Okay. It's so funny you're saying this because I literally just had a conversation with my husband. He was talking about this girl that I had been friends with, like I'm like probably over 10 years ago. And we had a falling out, you know, we were 26 or something at the time, 27. And we had this falling out, and he's like, Oh, remember when this happened? And I started backtracking in my mind like what that experience looked like. And I had painted her out to be this monster. And she kind of was, I'm <laughs> honest. She wasn't really the nicest person. But I certainly did not act like my best self in that situation. Whether her actions brought that out in me, I still allowed that to come out. So I spent a little bit of time the other day just really reflecting and thinking like, okay, you know what? You you didn't know better, so you couldn't do better. But now I know the next time moving forward, should I ever have a circumstance like that, I know how I prefer to act. So it's like, it's really about taking responsibility, I think you're saying, mm-hmm. for like your part in the friendship or the, the relationship, as well as recognizing what might've went wrong with them.
1: Mm, totally. And, you know, no matter how ugly something has gotten, it's like, I think that we can always look at why are they doing that? You know, is there something in their life? Is this how they protect themselves? Because maybe they've been in a situation like this before and they've projected their past onto me and maybe I showed up in a way that just completely triggered them. And, you know, it's it's like, how could we navigate in a conversation? Now, I'm not saying, so in the book, I teach how to have tough conversations so that you can get through to the other side and how to look at yourself at the exact same time, right? And take that responsibility. But what I'm not saying is that every conversation is going to end the way you want. This is how to get through. This is how to move into the tribes and the people and the opportunities and the things that are meant for you. So some of those things that happen, you are, they're meant to happen. And that's one of the hardest things to accept is like, okay, well, sometimes this happens because you would not leave if something traumatic did not happen within the relationship and this relationship is no longer meant for you. So I know that we have those in our life right now where it's like majority of us do anyway, where we're kind of like, ah, this relationship just sucks and it's not for me yet I'm still just like, gripping into it and I can't let go of it. And it's like, okay, well, if things are coming up over and over and over and you don't feel good when you're with this person and you're energetically drained and you feel exhausted and you dread when the person's texts come up, like that is a sign that you are meant to have a conversation and either kind of start to cut that a little bit or to move forward, except we avoid it. So we carry it. Like we put them on our back and we energetically carry them through our day when we're trying to do the things that we know we're here to do. And it sucks all of the life out of you because we're not willing to have the conversation of maybe moving on in our lives. And that's where the disconnect is, especially as females. We think that, um, you know, it's like, the bad girl thing to do to kind of be done in a relationship and know it and move forward. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges is that we think we have to carry everyone with us or we think we have to have completion in a relationship. And completion takes two parties. And a lot of times the other party is not willing to help you out completing that circle because they're not ready to complete themselves yet. So if you're doing the work and you're like, I'm ready to complete, I feel completed. And they're like, no, this is where you are wrong or this is what's going on in my life. And a lot of times we have to complete that circle that will never feel completed. So we have to fill in the blank. So there's so many multiple layers going on that I also chat about like this in the book because I think we've all had experiences like that. And many of us are still carrying them and we're like, but why can't I accomplish my goals and why can't I find the tribe that I want? Well, it's because you're not going to find them while you're carrying this other person on your back.
0: So true. It's so much like dating. It is so much like <laughs> It's crazy. So guys, pick up this book because like honestly, women come to me all the time. That's one of the biggest topics I hear about like how do I cut off this bad person in my life or this person who's no longer healthy for me? Like so- Lori is going to break it down for
1: you. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. I even have scripts in there. Like, And I know that sounds crazy. People are, people are like, Lori, I think this is so freaking awesome. You have scripts in there. And I was like, well, when I first had to do this, I had never seen an example of what it really looks like to have a, a tough conversation with grace and with love and also to be told what can come after that and how to deal with it and how to use and build your future tribe that's going to help you through that conversation on the other side, right? Because it's like, okay, well, you have the conversation and you're like, oh my God, this was such a bad idea. Now they're telling me that that they hate me or that I'm awful and now I have no one to talk to about it. So I'm going to just go back to how it was. And that's what keeps happening.
0: Yeah. oh, So important okay so once you've released the tribe that is no longer healthy for you how do you find a new tribe because again a question i seem to always see popping up and a lot of struggles that i see my girls going through are you know they're doing what they love they're sort of moving into this new space in their life whether it's through their career or just their mindset is changing and they feel really alone you know they're sitting in their job or their home and especially a lot of girls who are from smaller towns like i'm from new york city i know you're in california you're in california right yeah yeah so we have access to a lot of things a lot of events networking events how do you suggest a woman who is really truly struggling to find people and to find her tribe how do you suggest that she starts that journey
1: First, I just want to say one thing because I know that, you know, I'm, I'm from the Midwest and I started building my tribe when I was from the Midwest. So I totally get it. It feels very isolated. Um, there was nobody coming to us, believe me. It was like, what's a book tour? Like, why? what is that? <laughs> like, what is an ev- like a women's event? Um, so and the, the other thing is, yes, I'm in California and yes, you're in New York, but you're using tools that I'm also going to teach and I'm using tools that I'm also going to share with your people in one second um, because I know plenty of women that go to these networking events that, you know, one group of women will be like, that was the best ever. And I left with all these friends and I left with this tribe. And then there's another group who's like, I didn't meet anyone. I'm even more lonely. I don't fit in.
0: Um, The whole beginning of my career, honestly.
1: Yeah, mine too. Like, again, totally talking from experience. That's why I so resonated with um, reading part of your stuff. I was just like, okay, I feel her. Like, I feel like we have walked a lot of the same walk. Um, Because I used to go to events and be like, why am I the only girl who's not like hugging and being sad to leave everyone? And (laughs) it was this moment, I was actually at an event where everybody was hugging and like, I can't wait to see you again. It was a mastermind group, one of the first ones that I had joined. And and I was the only girl who was not hugging people and didn't feel sad to leave and wasn't excited to see everyone again. And I was like, what is going on? Why did this happen for me? You know, this experience and they're all over there freaking out over each other. Yeah. And I could have gone back to, you know, that was me being, def- uh, protecting myself. Like, okay, well, self-preservation, whatever. I don't need them. I'm fine. I'm on this path anyway, over here and they're on this path, whatever I made up in my mind. And I. I just had these moments of, what are you doing, Lori, to actually connect? Like, what did you do to actually connect at this event? And I did nothing.
0: That's really powerful. Again, it goes back to taking responsibility. That's that's actually like I needed to hear that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I. So, I ugh.
1: Good. That's good stuff. So. <laughs> so what I, you know, one of the, the main things, so I actually, and I'll, and I'll share more tools in a minute, but I just like to share these personal stories. Cause I know everybody goes through them. So the next mastermind, I was like, that is it. Like, I am going to be a connected mofo. Like I'm going to do the things I'm going to get vulnerable because I know what was happening. Was they're like, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine. How are you? Because I sought validation and being able to help people. And when I could help people and be the coach and be the fix are like, that's how I felt good about myself. And I also didn't like to get vulnerable because that takes work. And it's like, I, I also carried the story from when I was younger that if I share too much, or if I, you know, tell people how we feel that number one, I can be a burden and number two, it can be held against me later on. So I was like, I'm not sharing. I'm, this is like, this is a vault. This is staying safe. And what happens is as you stay safe, you also stay lonely. So all love, all relationship, all takes risks. So you got to go all in, but are you going to get hurt? Of course you are, but it hurts more to be lonely your whole life than to be hurt a few times, um, you know, and, and, to get through that. So I was like, all right, that's it making a goal. So the next one, I'm not even kidding you. I was like, like, how are you? Oh, you know, I'm good. Like I was honest. I was like, I'm great, but I'm here also. Um, you know, this is what's going on or, you know, and I'd be more likely to share maybe why certain things in my past had affected how I'm acting. And I actually shared with a couple women about what my intention was and how I was actually feeling super secretly lonely and isolated and what had happened at the last event. And I have to tell you, like, it's bringing, I could, Cry right now, so I carry this card in my wallet now from that event because a woman at the end came up. Okay, so one woman I had complimented her on her, on her dress, and we had this beautiful, you know, just a ten-minute like vulnerable conversation because when you open up, you can really get to the good stuff quickly. Mm-hmm. So at the end, she comes up and I had complimented her on her dress, and she had gone um, and dry cleaned the dress at this event and wrapped it and packaged it and put a note in for me and gave me this dress. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like I was just like in tears. And then another woman right after that came up to me and she had written out this beautiful handwritten note and like drawn this little picture. And she's like, for the women who impact my life, I write these little cards and tell them, you know, what I see in them along with, I love to draw. So here's this card. And it just was the most beautiful moving card and this little handwritten note, and I keep it in my wallet to remind me like, to stay soft and to stay open and that any pain is worth it. And just that all of the best gifts come from when you let the walls down. And I was like, oh my God, I'm that girl. Like, I'm getting hugs and people are like, I can't wait to see you. And it was the best feeling ever. And I, it was just mind blowing what these small, this is what it is, you guys. It's small life experiments and being willing to be open.
0: Oh, it's so true. And you know what? I think it's, it's especially true for women like us who are maybe a little further along in our careers, right? We're used to getting that love from our audience because we're so vulnerable with our listeners and our readers. Mm. But I find sometimes I pull back in my industry with people who are on my level, who are at networking events or masterminds or just, you know, peers. And I sometimes tend to kind of like keep a wall up and I don't even know. I'm sure there's like some reason why I'm doing it. It's probably a whole <laughs> like therapy session
1: for alone. Oh my god. I totally <laughs> can I just I have to share on that because I'm so I'm still the same way. I'm still so that way and it's it's this moment of and I just had Do you know who Alexi Panos is? No. By chance. Okay. You'll have to meet her. But I was having a Facebook live with her and we were talking about um this was yesterday. She's like You know, when you and I were about to get together because we were about to do like this mini mastermind weekend and her and I had never spent time together and I was so intimidated by her and I had no – I just put her on this pedestal, right, without even really realizing it. (laughs) um, She was was like, I was so nervous to spend that weekend with you because I – you know, she's like, you were this to me or this to me. I I put you in this place and in this place from the outside perspective. And she's like, you know, the girls that I had put in your place before were mean to me before. So I just put you there and I was so nervous. And I was like, oh my God, I was so freaked out to meet you. Like I was so intimidated by you. And honestly, Kara, it's like, I feel the same way even about, I get intimidated to go on, you know, your podcast or these other women that are doing the same thing because, I don't know why. I think it's just past pain. I think it's that ancient pain of could this woman hurt me or is she going to think I'm good enough or am I worthy for her? And this is such a real conversation. I'm so grateful that you shared that because like, I am so grateful to be here chatting with you and I'm so grateful for that connection with Alexi Nelly. She's one of my favorite people in the world and that's how it's been with every woman that I've completely fallen in love with. And I think that that's how it works. So if a woman is intimidating you, if an event is intimidating you, you make it your goal to go and either talk to that person or talk to the people who are kind of making you, your knees shake, because that's where part of you is hidden in them. And you have to go retrieve that and you have to figure it out with a conversation and a connection.
0: Oh, I love it. This is such good stuff. Oh, All right, I want to save some of this stuff for the book, so we're gonna. (laughs) Because I want people to to take in all of your magic and wisdom, and this has been such an awesome conversation, Lori. Like seriously, thank you. I feel like I'm healing, (laughs) not just my. Oh, I
1: heal with each one.
0: It's so good. It's so good. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about what you're up to now? How people can find you, connect with you? I know you mentioned you're
1: doing an event in New York. Yes. Um, and I don't know if you're free. You can answer off this. I don't want to. <laughs> Let me just hold you to the flame right now. Um, I am doing, and I'm so excited. I'm doing a book tour um, that's going to Toronto, LA, New York, Boston, and Minneapolis. So the New York date, I'm like, what is the day? The New York date is June 7th and it's at seven o'clock. Um, and you can go to a tribe called bliss.com to get your tickets and also see if you guys are in other areas, also see when the dates for the other areas are. Um, but Kara, I would love to do a book giveaway on here too. Are you cool with that?
0: Yes, absolutely. How can people get involved with that?
1: Okay. So if you go to laurieharder.com forward slash free book. And enter the podcast name. So what's the, how do you want that all entered in there?
0: Uh, style Your Mind, I think is fine, right?
1: So, yep. And we'll just do no space and we'll do just lowercase if that's cool. So Style Your Mind. Um, and you will get, even if you don't win, so I want to give away 10 free books And even if you do not win one of the 10 free books, you will get a one hour free workshop on the seven sacred agreements and building your tribe. So definitely no matter what, just go there because I want to send you this amazing, amazing workshop, which I believe that we are all going through together. Um, So yeah, there's that, A Tribe Called Bliss, and then the lauriharder.com forward slash free book with style your mind as the code that you will enter.
0: Awesome. I'm going to put all of this in the show notes for you guys who are listening in case you couldn't grab it. So you'll just be able to click on everything, um, right there. And Lori, when is the book out?
1: The book is out May 8th. So it's right here.
0: Oh my gosh. So exciting. That's the best feeling, right?
1: (laughs) It is just crazy. We can talk about it more later.
0: (laughs) I'm so happy for you. And I'm so glad that you wrote this. This was such a needed topic. And I know, I mean, I have read most of the book. There are just so many gems in there and you guys are going to absolutely love it. So thank you, Lori, so much for writing it, for being on the show today and for sharing your magic with us.
1: I am so grateful for you and how you show up in the world because I honestly, like you were such a bright light for me online, um, that I was immediately drawn to you. So thank you for just making it your work to be authentic every day. Cause I can feel you and I can see you and I'm grateful for you.
0: Oh, thank you. I am so grateful for you too. And I will definitely see you on the seven.
1: Yay. Oh my God. That makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks Lori so much.
1: Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.